Welcome everybody, it's Rusty with the Bytecast. Uh, this is episode number four and we're talking all about the cloud. Uh, we're going to try and define it, describe it, and tell you what's out there. Uh, and we're going to give you some personal experiences that we've had with it. Uh, make sure you check out the blog at thebytecast.wordpress.com. And once again, stay tuned for the upcoming guest podcast with my good friend and longtime techie, Eric Mugas. Uh, we're going to talk about programming, social media, and how to remodel your kitchen. Should be exciting. Uh, we tried to have him on this week, but due to Eric's demanding MMA fighting schedule, uh, he was unable to sit down with us. Uh, for those of you that don't know Eric and who he is, just keep on believing what I'm telling you. Uh, so here it is, and I hope you enjoy it. KCCO. chance to go to any movies this weekend nope not this weekend uh, friday was just recovering at home or not recovering that's the wrong term to use i was just relaxing at home <laughs> because saturday was the next day where i was doing that uh oh the plymouth harvest dinner yeah how was that down at plymouth colony um it was cool it was uh, 66 dollars to go and with that ticket you got to go to like the museums but i didn't go early enough so i can till the end of november i can go down to the mayflower 2 and a few other museums and it was pretty much sitting down at 5.30, and they had some actors going through that were acting as if they were from 1627, and they could not go, they could not break out of that character, of course, and so it was pretty funny, because the first thing I did sitting down was trying to eat with a spoon and a knife, because I guess that's all they used back then, and I asked one of those guys, hey, don't didn't you guys have forks? And... The only forks that this guy knew how to talk about was pitchforks and asked me if I wanted one to to pitch manure, <laughs> which funny because I got, I bet money that this guy, that guy had never pitched manure before and I had. And so, yeah, try eating your dinner with just a fork and a knife. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not so easy. Oh, with a spoon and a knife? And then, what's with that? a spoon and a knife? Yeah, did I say fork yeah. and a knife? Yeah, with a with a spoon and a knife, and it's not that easy. And I wish I would have I wish I would have printed it out, but it was like a lot of like cabbage and and rice pudding. And when they they brought two pieces of meat, a piece of turkey and a piece of a uh, piece of a pork, but you didn't get to dish those to yourself like the other dishes you did. And they were just very very small. Like mm. think of like two of your fingers put together, small. Oh jeez. Yeah. Yeah, and then it was pretty good though. I mean, like I was, I was full, I was full, I was content, and I was like, you know, if I can eat like this every day, or anyone could eat like this any We'd day, we'd be in a lot better shape. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I had a couple glasses of wine, and I met the, those people from Amy's Bread. Give a shout out to them at Amy's Bread in New York because they were they were very nice people, and you know, everyone around the table was pretty cool, pretty interesting characters. And, like I said, you had those characters that were that could not break character, could not go past anything in 1627. And so, yeah. <laughs> Until one of their cell phones rings in their pocket. <laughs> <laughs> they never had any. Oh, and then they would go around, they'd stop in front of certain tables, and they would sing, they'd sit, break out in the songs. So I asked for, like, their body of song, and what they had was just, like, I'm sitting there like, yeah, this isn't, it was something, I forget the name of, or the ter- or what they were saying, but it wasn't, it wasn't, like, body at all so that was pretty fun nice oh it sounds like a good time anyways yeah it was it was interesting i definitely have to go down there again um if for anyone that ever gets out to this area to the south shore in massachusetts definitely go down to plymouth colony because you find out some of the history that you never really found out when you were in school we don't have anything nearly that exciting in north dakota but i went to two movies this weekend so because i got really bored (laughs) (laughs) Well, we went to Thor on Friday night, Thor 2, The Dark World, Mm -hmm. and like I said, I was talking to you about this earlier, I thought it was really good, you know, typical Marvel movie, Uh, it had great comedy through the whole thing, but great action as well, and a good storyline, 
and all sorts of you know towards you get to the end of the, the end of the movie there's little twists here and there that lead right into there's going to be more there's you know mm-hmm. um we considered going in 3d and the bismarck theater now has uh d-box theaters with the seats that move really yeah and so they had thor in 3d in the d-box theater but uh, the people that we went with, you know, didn't like 3D. And, you know, me too. It kind of gives me a headache wearing the glasses. Um, How much is the so D-Box Sunday, to go to that? On Sunday, I went to Ender's Game in D-Box. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't in 3D. So it was kind of neat. Like, the seats moved as you were, like, flying through space and doing different things. You know, if the, the ship tilted, the seat tilted with it and different things. I think it would have been a lot cooler in 3D, you know, to have stuff flying out of the screen at you, and then you're, like, dodging it. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to almost go back and rewatch Thor in the D-Box theater again in 3D. How much extra was that? It's $18 a ticket. So what's a normal ticket these days? About 9 10 up there? Yeah, 3D is, like, eleven fifty or $12, and it's, like, 9 if it's not matinee prices for a regular movie. Right. So, Man. I mean, it's it's double, you know, six, seven dollars more than the 3D price. But it was a cool experience, you know, just to try it out and see what it was all about, though. We'll have to try that when I'm back in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, we should go to Thor in 3D. <laughs> you want to go again? I'll go. If, if it's still in the D-Box Theater. I don't know how fast they cycle them out, though, because Gravity was in the D-Box Theater last week, I guess. And it wasn't this week. So it must have been because Thor got released. They must have pushed it out. Well, I'm sure it's something... How, how many do they have in the D-Box? Just one? How many theaters? Yeah. Two. Two? Because well, Thor and Ender's Game were both in D-Box. I'm sure that's something they're like, okay, let's try this, and let's see if we make any money, and if not, we can always get rid of it. And if they make money at it, they'll probably expand it, I'm thinking. Right. Well, and there's like 12 seats per theater that mm-hmm. are D-Box seats. Like, the whole theater's not in D-Box. So you can pay to go to Thor in 3D and not get the D-Box seats. Um, but once you buy the ticket, like, you're assigned, you reserve a seat. So if you show up late for the movie, your seat should be open, too, because it's automatically reserved for you. Nice. That would be pretty. Yeah, we'll have to go check that out. Yeah, it was, like I said, it was interesting. And especially for a space movie, though, it, I, I'm surprised Ender's Game wasn't in 3D. Hmm. Did they shoot it in 3D? Or do we just not have it in 3D? You know, I'm not even entirely sure. I know we don't have it in 3D up here. They didn't. That's not playing, anyways. I can't imagine they would have shot it in 3D and we didn't have it. Well, and again, isn't that service dying now? Though, I mean, it takes a lot to shoot, a lot of money to shoot in 3D, and most people don't like to go to right. it. So they, Hollywood, may be getting to the point of we're spending way too more way too much money on this and not seeing any return for, from it so they might just be well, going back to Well and a lot standard. of it right a lot of it you know I I can't imagine that they had to shoot it in 3D though as much as just render it in 3D cuz I mean Ender's Game is a a great marvel for the eyes in terms of what they did with the computer graphics I mean the whole movie is nothing but that Is it a good movie? You know so I can't what's Sto- that story wise is it a good movie? It is. Okay. Uh, I, you know, not to, no spoilers here, but the ending is not what I wanted. Mm, okay. Um, it, part of the ending was what I expected, and then another part to the ending is something I felt they could have done without, but it really plays into the character and, and how he is. Right. So, oh, nice. hopefully I didn't give anything away huh? there. No, I don't give anything. You're pretty obscure. <laughs> you, yeah, you are like, that's how I like to keep it. You are like it. many bosses that I've had throughout the years. <laughs> Figure it out. So, um, I suppose let's get this kicked off here. Uh, we are episode four, mm-hmm. week number four now, Clyde. Nice. Uh, I, hey, everybody. Uh, I'm Rusty Deline. Uh, I own Deline IT Consulting. I'm um, here with my co-host, Clyde Kane Whitman. Clyde, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. I'm a PeopleSoft administrator or upgrade specialist with PeopleSoft. Um, owner of People L or what's my own company name? Platinum Consulting. I can't even. Platinum <laughs> IT Consulting. That's how long it's been. Um, probably more and more looking like a re- reality as things go in the last few weeks and what I've decided. So, <laughs> so hello. All right. Um. Well, this week, 
we're going to talk all about the cloud um, and cloud services. And if you've listened to the previous podcast, um, I know everybody out there, if you're listening, you've probably wondered things or questioned it or made fun of it in some way like we have um, and how people think that, you know, Microsoft invented the cloud with their to the cloud <laughs> marketing campaign. Um, and lots of people, you know, at work especially, you know, working in an IT department uh, too, they always say, well, what what is the cloud? Where is the cloud at? And mm-hmm. Clyde, so we watched an interesting uh, from Tech Talk Live last Friday. Um, they had the guy from Spiceworks on there and two guys from Microsoft, and they were talking about all about the cloud and trying to put a definition to it as well. Um, and I think the best definition, in my opinion, that I can come up with is the cloud has always been there. It's another term for the Internet. And people found a way of giving the Internet and hosted services a different name, maybe just to make it easier to describe those things. Uh, mm-hmm. But people like Microsoft really cashed in on it by saying, you know, to the cloud, this is in the cloud, uh, which just mm-hmm. confuses the shit out of a lot of people. Uh, because they think it's this magical place where stuff just happens. And reality, you know, it's a server farm in California somewhere. You know, somebody has to manage that equipment and do the maintenance on everything. Right. You know, it's not like there's just shit floating around in the atmosphere and that's where your stuff is being stored at. Right. Now, right. I know, Clyde, you've been talking to me about uh, some Google Cloud Platforming stuff. We talked a little bit about it last week as well. Um, why don't you touch on that here uh, with Google's Cloud Platform and some of their database stuff and uh, different services that they're starting to do and offer? All right. Um, well, Google, their product is called Google Cloud Platform. Um, so I guess that probably gives it away of uh, this new mic this new uh, marketing strategy that all of the big data companies are grabbing onto. Um, I'm just going to go over them briefly and we'll talk more about them. We'll break them down. How does that sound rusty? That works. Um, so, and I'm just on their page right now. Their main products are the app engine, compute engine, cloud storage, BigQuery, cloud SQL, cloud data store, um, that's off their main page. Um, then they have Google Prediction API, Google Translate API. So these, to me, sound... You know, I'm not knocking these products. I'm sure these are very good products for certain organizations and individuals. So oh, a couple of them that we're going to go over are... Okay, let's talk about App Engine. App Engine is a platform as a service that uses familiar technologies to build and host applications on the same infrastructure used at Google. All right? Sounds like we're going to build an application and host an application at Google. Would you agree with that, Rusty? I'd agree. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, Google Compute Engine. Google Compute Engine is an infrastructure as a service that lets you run large-scale computing workloads on Linux virtualization machines hosted on Google's infrastructure. So, an application that does computing workloads. Cloud storage. Store, access, and manage your data on Google storage infrastructure. And the last one I want to just read real quick is Cloud SQL. Run MySQL databases in Google's cloud. Use a fully managed service to maintain and administer your databases so you could focus more on building your applications and worry less about database management. Okay. So to me, these, and, and granted there's other ones here, are just applications that are, or, or services hosted by Google. Um, they're there so that we can access them, pay them for the data, and, or pay them for the hosting without having to worry about the back end. But there still are people on those back end who will be Google's uh, server administrators that will be managing those uh, systems. Which means that you will be giving that data over to them. You'll be writing that code and giving that over to them, um, much the same way as you, as if you would perform a search on Google.com and it hits their search servers and they know what you're searching for. Um, would you disagree with anything that I've said there, Rusty? Okay, good. Um, 
So that's Google's data platform. Um, from what I've understood of what they want to do is we and we let's cover this, Rusty. You and I always hear, and this is probably more so the commercials that are um, marketed on, on on TV and the internet nowadays of the cloud being this great service. And when you and I, as let's say you and I run our businesses and we look at our applications or you know, we're just server administrators and we're looking at our servers and we're like, we understand, oh, wow. I launched my new product yesterday, and instead of the 5,000 people I, th- I predicted it was going to, that were going to visit my servers, I'm having, you know, five times that amount, and they make it seem as if you can just hit something on your phone and automatically expand that, you know, your server farm from five and to do so many transactions to twice that or three times that. And... While I just don't see that possible, that is what they are marketing as. There's still going to be people on the back end that have to either add servers or decommission those servers. So, do you? Uh, what do you think of that, Rusty? Do you have anything to throw back at me or I dispute? In I, in in theory, it sounds incredible. Uh, I mean, like the U.S. government could highly benefit from that if it actually worked. Um, like I said, in, in the recent news lately, you know, you build a site expecting to be able to host so many people at one time. Too mm-hmm. many people hit it, it brings it down, it crashes everything. If you can mm-hmm. provide a service that dynamically expands on demand, okay, um, mm-hmm. let's say even as simple as a VMware hard drive, you know, if you dynamically allocate, you know, 200 gigs to this virtual hard drive, and you go and look at the physical size of it, it's only at 20 gigs. You back up that file, it's only worth 20 gigs because that's all the data you've got on it. The more you add into it, the more it dynamically expands. Mm-hmm. If you can do that with a server farm and a clustered environment and say, you know, right now we've got five servers running, you know, clustered out, spread environment, we're going to host this, and all of a sudden you get an influx of people hitting that that's a lot higher than expected, and it can automatically go, oh, we got way too many people here, we got X amount, we need to expand. We need to add two more servers now to this cluster automatically. If you could do that, that would be incredible. Mm-hmm. Can it be done properly? I don't know. Right. And, and maybe it will get there. I, I will back. I mean, maybe I should back off before I'm eating, you know, my foot with a crow on it in a, in a year. And that's what we're looking at. But even from a security standpoint, let's say I'm the administrator, you know, I have the account on my phone and I'm looking at my you know, looking at my server farm and I want to expand that service across three more servers, what if that would ever get hacked? And then would someone be able to reverse engineer that and get access to all of those servers? Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just a thought. That was just something that popped into my head just a minute ago. So I don't know if it's possible, but... I don't know how you would expand that server. I mean, I could understand how you could expand that disk or expa- or add add more memory or add CPU. I understand that, but I don't understand how you're going to under- expand, you know, an application across multiple server farms. And maybe I just don't see it yet. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe I haven't had the opportunity to use it and see how it's going to work. Which I admit is my downfall most of the time. I need to see. I, I need to see how something works and break it a few times before. I think it'll be before I can use it. <laughs> well, I think I think most people share that sentiment with you, though. Um, you know, even in terms of you know young IT people getting into things, and you know, home computers weren't a big thing when me and you were younger, Clark. right? You know, if you had one, you know, you were a, you were a lucky kid. And I remember the first one I ever got was a Windows three one box. And you know how I learned about Windows 3.1? I broke it the first day we got it. <laughs> I tore that box apart and teared every board out of there. Right. Well, I can't run to the computer store and have them put it back together. Because there were no computer stores then. You know, there was no Best Buy that I could run into and just drop it off with. I had to learn. I had to teach myself. Right. So if you can put something in front of me that I can hands-on break and fix repeatedly and teach myself and learn how it operates all that much better. Right. And and I think, you know, thousands of people out there, millions of people share that, that idea. Right. 
And and with that though, this okay. The way, same way with me though, or same way with you. So many times while I did that, there were times when I couldn't fix it and I had to reinstall. So, you know, some of what they're marketing are this cloud. Um, they're pushing databases and APIs and storage, and that's for developers. And so that a developer or an application, let me rephrase that. So an organization, a business can have can have a developer group working on an application. They can rent what they need from Oracle, develop the application, expand it on the fly, this, that, and the other. Correct? Correct. Um, Still need a, like you said, still need a server administrator. Not that a developer would or could or should ever get to the point of corrupting an operating system or that service to a point where it can't be, it's unusable, usable, but if it ever did or if something ever did go wrong, you're still talking to those administrators on the back end. And I guess that would just never happen once, you know, as this matures, you know, we're talking, this is new. In 10 years, I'm sure that will turn into a pretty stable. Once it gets to the point of providing application, you know, renting applications, you can develop it any way you want. I'm sure that, you know, standards will be put in place so that certain things do happen and certain things do not happen. But I guess I'm just still referring back to how you and I got into things, broke something, either could fix it, which we learned something, or couldn't fix it, and we learned something, and you had to reinstall. And on top of that, you just have the point where you're going to have different, you know, upgrades, different APIs. You know, we have APIs on operating systems or certain applications on our servers that we just can't use anymore because the back end has to be upgraded. You know, to, to tangent a little bit here from that, I'm going to go back to the point um, that you said about it's, you know, it takes people to run things. And this is something that uh, I know we, we have talked about a little bit in the past as well. There's a lot of hubbub going around about how the cloud is going to ruin careers for IT people. <laughs> Because, you know, right now, some people look at us as a necessary evil in that they have to have us because their business is not going to function without us. They need somebody to manage servers and be that geek or that nerd that knows how to fix all of that stuff in the office. And if a company can start paying somebody else for a cloud-hosted service, whether it be for a database or, you know, API storage what have you, you know, they think, well, my IT guys are going to become irrelevant. I'm going to, I'm going to get to stop paying them salaries because I'm not going to need them anymore because Google's providing me all the stuff that I need now. So it's going to bring an end to all these IT jobs out there, which I don't necessarily agree with because the more, uh, the, the larger that Google gets, the more people they have to hire to manage all the equipment mm-hmm. that they have in the server mm-hmm. farm. You know, it still takes people to, to maintain all right. of that. And, you know, yes, I may lose the ability to get a job locally, but there's going to be people out there looking for, for server administrators and VM administrators and database administrators. Because if a business comes in, buys a service from Google, Microsoft, Amazon, whoever it may be, and says, well, I need, you know, these, you know, six instances of SQL and this and this and this. Somebody's got to build that mm-hmm. for them. They may not be in-house now like they were before, but they got to be right. somewhere. So just to dispel some of that, what people think, you know, is ruining the IT career field, I don't think it is. I think it's just relocating it from all in-house. Completely. But you still need somebody to understand that as well, uh, you know, on some services. Um, we have a, 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 a calling system at work that we pay for, a service that's, that's online, uh, in the cloud, if you will. And basically you put in phone numbers. If something happens, you know, work is closed for the day because there's a storm. Um, or if you're, you know, a college and there's a school shooting or something, you, you put in your message and it automatically calls or texts all of these numbers in the system. Okay. 
somebody still has to be there and paid to log in and configure all of that and get it set up properly. And you may not have the equipment on-prem, but you still need somebody there to configure it and make it work for you. And your average Joe sitting in the cube down the hall may know how to type in a phone number, but there's a lot of configuration that comes into that web Mm -hmm. service too. And unless you're paying that provider to do all that work for you as well, you still need to pay somebody in-house to do that. Well, no, I completely agree with that tangent, and I'm not trying to dispel (laughs) from that at all. I mean, I've always said that if the cloud takes off, which, okay, it is, it's hosting 2.0, and we will always have jobs. Heck, if I got, if something happened to me out here, I'd say, okay, I'm going to go open my cloud store and start pushing that in Bismarck, North Dakota, and, (laughs) because why not? I mean, everyone wants to get on the cloud. Why don't you tell them I have a cloud? Which, with enough money, I could have my own cloud. It's still the truth. Um, and I agree with your point. I completely agree with your point. People think that they're going to be able to get rid of their departments or stop paying their IT people, but all they're doing is transferring that money from one person to another. Um, if... Yeah, but in some cases, what they're paying on a yearly fee is a lot less than what they're paying in a yearly salary. I mean, even to play devil's advocate with my own statement. (laughs) Well, at least you're playing devil's advocate. But again, okay, let's get on (laughs) this, because that leads up to the last point about the Google Google Cloud platform. Um, And we have said this before. It was in that webcast that we watched on Friday of who manages the data then, um, who provides that service. And if you get to the point of you want to take it from, okay, our contract's up, it was a two-year contract or three-year contract, we want to take our take our domain or, or database or whatever, and we want to move it back to us, who owns that then? And yes, there are SLAs and all that stuff, but what if you miss something, or what if there's not an SLA, and they're just, whoever's hosting it for you just gets to the point of, no, we're not gonna, going to work with you. You know what I'm saying? Now... Uh, and yeah. now I want to jump on to that one point of that article from Forbes I sent you a few weeks ago. And if you would, when we're done, this is I would like this link out there. But basically what it is, is Dropbox is a service that's out there. And Google, Microsoft, Amazon, everyone is saying, let us host your data and let us host your services. And one of the executives at Google said that he stores some of his information on Dropbox and then Google said no that is not allowed and ha- made him move his information back so I get the point of this is a service and, and and it's cheaper and this that and the other but you still have to look at security and what you want to do with that data and so meanwhile the people that are pushing the cloud are saying the cloud's good for everyone but us put your you know keep your information with us but we'll keep our information with us, and we will not use other services. Well, then why don't other why don't other companies use that? I mean, it's it's the do as I say, not as I do mentality. Well, and it's a slap in the face to Google themselves, mostly because it's a top level exec that's doing it. Uh, for Google, anybody working at Google doesn't have to put anything in the cloud, and I say in the cloud with air quotes, obviously. <laughs> Because they are the cloud provider. Everything to them is on-prem, you know? And Google has a Dropbox-like service, Google Drive, okay? We use it, Clyde, quite a bit because that's where we store all of our planning and podcast audio and everything. And it's the exact same. You install it on your computer. You install it on your phone. It creates a local folder. Anything I move into that folder gets uploaded to my drive on the web. I can access it on the web from anywhere in the world. I can open my phone and download any Word document from it that I want. So why is somebody at Google using Dropbox when Google makes its own service that does the exact same thing? Just because they don't know. But it's still the do as I say, not as I do mentality. Exactly. Well, and that's a good topic for an all-about leadership <laughs> podcast down the road. I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. I, I, I'm just making the point that everyone wants to say, to the cloud. And there's all these things, there's all these items about security and service, you know, who provides or what type of service you're going to be providing. When you want that data, how is that going to work? Do you, you know, I, I mean, there's still the, all those options, I'm, or points of discussion is the best way I should put it. 
Well, you know, this this kind of leads into another point here. The something we had talked about earlier, something that was in the tech talk on Friday when we watched it. Uh, they made a funny joke about something being within hugging mm-hmm. distance. Okay, um, and what constitutes being called the cloud? How far away does it have to be to be called the cloud? Um, we had a slight difference of opinion in this, uh, in that. You know, if, if Google's server farm is hosting something for me and I can go to the website and log in and access it, sure, that's in the cloud because right. it's not here. Okay. I work for a government agency. And aside from having our own internal IT department, there is also a larger IT department that does the major stuff for all of the child agencies. And they have a lot of equipment on-prem mm-hmm. in their server room. To me, they would be considered the cloud as well. Uh, just because it's not a server in my server room in the basement of the building that I work in. It's being hosted even across town or in you know one town over across the river. And if it's there and not on-prem to me, it's in the cloud. I mean, by definition, if we're calling the cloud something that's on, accessible over the internet or the web. Okay. I have a question. I didn't get to say this earlier, but it's something that popped in my head. Can you access that when you're not from home without being on the VPN? Virtual. uh, Depends on the service. Virtual private network. Okay. So the ones where you have to be on the VPN, I consider that on their network then and hosting. (laughs) See, yes. But they also have like, like our exchange server. My email. I don't have to be on the VPN to hit that. I can go to the webmail site and log into OWA. Okay, and how long has that been available? Uh, five years, six years. OWA has only been available to you guys for five or six years? Well, I've only been with them for five or six years. So, I mean, okay. since I've started, okay. we've had OWA. I mean, I can open, I can get okay. on my phone and just go to the webmail website and log in and check my email from anywhere. Okay, so but but the, but I guess what I'm getting at, OWA has been around since what 2000, at least since 2002. I don't know, but does that mean we've had the cloud since that long for, for that well, long? Well, if if we're looking at the cloud as a branding name for the internet, then yes, the cloud has been around for as long as accessible information over the internet has been available. Somebody just finally chose to coin a term to stick to it. And then use it as a marketing tool to try and sell people on this idea of a new thing. Okay. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that definition. I'm just saying, hey, I'm just saying Outlook Web Access has been around since that long. So by that definition, you're extending the cloud to that. So I agree with, I'll agree with that. I agree with everything that you said. I'm just, you know, and this is where we're at. This well, is why we're having the podcast because I mean, it's, it's that big of a subject. We have people that work upstairs in the building whose file server is one floor below them. But to them, it's in the cloud because they don't know where it's going. Right. You know, so right. to everybody, the definition's a little bit different. But I think we have a good, solid understanding and definition of what the cloud is. Right. Well, and that, you know, that goes into Microsoft, too. You know, um, the the notes I have out here, uh, Microsoft is, or let me rephrase that, Azure is Microsoft's cloud service, correct? Correct. Okay, and checking their website, they have compute, data services, app service, network services. To me, that just seemed like hosting 2.0 options. I mean, some of what they have is they, you know, they have VMware hosting services. And on their page, they had a white paper comparing MS for and VMware. That's just, uh, you know, obviously... Microsoft is going to take that advantage because that's it's a white paper that they sponsored. So different clouds are offering the different solutions. It's just what they're trying to push and where they see themselves making money from it. But still, Microsoft as a company is having a problem fitting into the services and devices platform that they want to be. Although I do think, if I remember right, Azure is pretty profitable i don't know if you said that or someone else uh, said that well they are profitable right now too i think to a point just because 
a lot of Microsoft really jumped on the cloud bandwagon first. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Google has kind of always been there. I mean, that's their premise. That's what they do. Um, Microsoft is always software in the office, and they're moving mm-hmm. now Office 365. You know, I don't have to install Office on every computer in the office anymore. We can do Office 365 over the web, and everybody can just go to the site and hit it and use it and be done. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon is in the ball game now, uh, and they offer, I couldn't even tell you, you know, 40, 50, 60 uh, web services with their AWS, Amazon Web Services. Um, and it's the same stuff. I mean, it's it's SQL and storage, you know, database hosting and application services, uh, deployment and management. You can host your Exchange servers with them. Um, you know, they even do some business software, business intelligence uh, and CRM things, you know, to host out for people. Um, and they're getting to be a really big player. Um, Rackspace, uh, you know, in the past has been an all hardware kind of kind of vendor. Um, you buy your racks from them and your KVMs and your your physical stuff that goes in the server room. And now they're putting together server farms left and right all over the country and just saying, hey, we're going to offer you a full server that you can do whatever you want with. And we'll build it out for you and then host it for you and you pay a fee. And here's how you hit it over the web. And now you can do whatever you want with it. You install whatever you want with it. So it's not mm-hmm. even a service at this point where they're going to pre-build something and then give you the access to it to configure it. They're just going to give you a blank server and say, hey, this is just like if it was on-prem. So I, I think people are catching up, and over the next five years, you're going to see a lot more cloud-based service companies, um, and prices will drop for some things. Uh, but Well, and that's one thing that I have seen this, just... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that when I went to uh, Tech Ed two years ago, that was one thing that I did understand that about the cloud. A new company can go to Microsoft, say, hey, we, we want you to host our space and our email and this, that, and the other, and it's about one thirty a month. For a startup, that's cheap, and I do get that, but it's still hosting, and it really doesn't change anything in the long run. It's just, the, just a different service. Um. With that, I want to relay an experience that I had, if that's all right. Mm-hmm. When I, and, and this goes to, to hosting. It goes about these services. Um, when I worked in Arizona, one of the companies I worked at, what they had, uh, what we had was okay. We had hosting. We had uh, we had a customer that was hosted with us, and their contract was ending, and they had let their servers go on for many, many, many years, and we were probably they were probably five years too old and their database just grew and grew and grew and grew their data. I'm not sure how many databases they were. Um, this is the company out of California and they wanted to come and get 30. How many, I don't even know. I'm going to guess, but it was probably like 150 gigs. Um, so the, I guess the moral of the story is the company, the company I worked for was willing to say, Hey, come on in, bring your drives. You can go ahead and, copy this data off but these are servers from late 90 late 90s um so usb 1.0 a very big a a lot of git data they wanted to and this was a mission critical server they wanted to back the data up get back to california get this data online and get these environments all configured and the like I said, the company I wasn't the company that I was working for wasn't hindering them in any way, but they weren't exactly helping them either. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. They weren't saying, "Yeah, you can access this, and we'll zip this up, or we'll take these drives out and mail them to you." They were saying, "Nope, you we, you cannot have these servers. These are our servers. You will have to come here. You will have to plug your drive in. You will have to back it up." Which, like I said. USB 1.0, so what, 12 megabits a second? I don't know if that's right. I'm completely going off old memories. But it didn't go like they wanted to. Um, the first few tests were a failure, so that's the that's the example I have. And what the company was trying to get them to do that I was working for was trying to get the, the provider to do was instead of 
leaving and shutting that service down, they're trying to get them to give them more business and trying to say, well, let's let's upgrade your servers, which to a point is is a valid point in my opinion, but it's still, you know, it's exactly this uh this pitfall between the company and the hosting provider or the company and the cloud provider, which, which have you. So does, did that make sense? Rusty? Did I, it does. Yeah. It does. And it, it, it leads way into one big thing that I really wanted to talk about today was pros versus cons of going to the cloud with your company. Uh, we had talked earlier, you made a great point right there in saying, you know, if you're going to rely on somebody else to host and do things for you, there's pitfalls with that and them being available or saying no or maybe shutting their doors uh, and you losing your data. Do they own it at that point because it's on their equipment or do you own it? Um, I don't think going to the cloud is a is a bad thing. It's not an evil thing. For some companies, it's the smart move. Um, for some, it's just saving overhead with having to, you know, manage and maintain the equipment. You know, if if we're hosting a lot of SQL, I may say, you know, I, I'm sick of having 50 servers down here or 60 VMs that I got to manage. You know, I got to upgrade equipment every two years and and do this and that to it. I'm just going to pay a service fee to let somebody else do that headache for me. And that is a great thing and a great way to save money. That being said, I like things on-prem. Um, it, it's If something goes wrong, I want to be there to physically touch it and be able to turn it on and get it back online and running or restart it whenever I want. If I lose internet connection, I lose my ability to use what I have. Whereas if something's on-prem and we lose, you know, due to a fiber cut somewhere, I can still access it internal network. I can still get to what I need to get to to get my, my job done. Um, part of the agency I work for is, is public safety, 911. That's a big thing for us. We have to, we, we run 24-7. We have to stay operational. We can't put anything out there because if we do lose connection outside of the building... Or that service says, hey, we're going down for maintenance tonight at, you know, from 8 to midnight or midnight to 4 a.m. or whatever. We can't have that. We need to be able to schedule this and do this stuff on our own terms. And to me, that's just a huge con of going to the cloud if you need access to your data 24-7 and you want to be responsible for keeping it online. Would you agree with that, Clyde, or disagree? No, I, uh, I agree completely. Do you have any other pros or cons of, I mean, you own a business. I own my own business as well. I run a lot of stuff for my business that's in the cloud just because it's easy. Um, you know, as far as bookkeeping goes, you know, we went through this a couple weeks ago. I was talking to you about it. I use a web service to do my accounting, my, my payroll, my invoicing, all of that stuff. And it's, it's a great, awesome online web service. But something broke on their end. They're working on it. I can't use it to do invoices until they get that fixed. And it's been three weeks. So now I'm looking at having to go buy software to install on my laptop here. Well, if I travel or have to go somewhere and I don't have that laptop with, I now can't do that anyways. So what's better, having it in the cloud or having it on-prem? <laughs> I... I don't know the answer to that. It's 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 a fair side, uh, you know. Either way you go, and that was between one cloud service and basically another cloud service, correct? Like well, one cloud service to have like say, right? Yeah, the, the yeah the problem that they're having is they they maintain a, a data connection with my credentials to my bank, um, so any transactions that I make um, and accept payments as well. Uh, through through that web mm -hmm. service, the bank upgraded software on their end, changed their online interface, and that broke the API that the my cloud service was using to do that for me. Okay. And so it's been three weeks now, and they haven't got it resolved right. yet. And I, I hate to now go to well, 
I'm going to have to install all of my accounting stuff to one laptop in my house here and hope lightning doesn't hit the house and fry it <laughs> or the hard drive doesn't crash because then I'm going to lose everything. Right. Obviously, I should have that stuff backed up. But, you know, that I mean, that's how things go. With them hosting it for me, I don't have to worry about that. They have it, you know, clustered out. They have it backed up. They do all of that for me. I don't have to have any hardware. I wouldn't even have to have a laptop at home unless I wanted to access the web to do some work once in a while. And I can do a lot of that through my phone, you know, through the app that they provide me. But if if part of something that they have isn't working, now I have to rely on something on-prem. So does this even get into spending more money now to have an on-prem and a cloud solution that maybe syncs together in case one or the other goes down? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Well, and I just wanted to make that point. That's why I brought it up of you have one cloud service to something else online. Someone else change, you know, they change something, which is great what they can, what they're allowed to do. But here you are sitting as a, here you are sitting as a customer and you cannot do anything about it. You cannot, you can call them, but, and yes, I understand they're working on it, but you're still waiting and it's been three weeks. I just wanted to make that point. Um, and not against you, just, just for the customers because what you described is a great service and I can imagine you're all of a sudden being, I want my service back. <laughs> right. Just, the, just as any as a customer. Right. I want to, I want to accept right. payments. You know, I got, I got to, I got to make money to keep doing what right. I'm doing. And if the service that I'm using, you know, this is in a larger scale perspective, it's like visa saying, "Uh Oh, we went down. Nobody can pay with a Visa card now because no transaction is going to connect through the Visa servers to do anything. Uh, you know, in, in the theoretical environment that all Visa transactions ran through them for some reason instead of just going to the bank. But, uh, you know, routing numbers and such. You, you see what I'm saying? Though? No, they, they... It's bad for my business because I'm doing work and going out and doing more work every day. And some customers are calling me going, hey, we're getting to the end of the month. We need an invoice so we can pay you. Right. And I'm saying, I, my invoicing service isn't working right now. Let me hand write you something real quick and email it over. You know, and that's not how I want to do it. Uh, and, and it's nice, too, because the service I'm using, it keeps track of all that invoicing for me and then provides my tax reports to give to my mm-hmm. CPA so that I don't have to know anything about accounting because I'm horrible with accounting. And now if I've got emails that I have to rely on keeping to provide to my accountant at the end of the year on top of these two other places now that I've got to pull data from, it's defeating the purpose of me trying to have everything in one place. But when it works, it's fantastic. So the clouds let you down, though, honestly, at this point. Absolutely. Oh, sure. Um, The only thing that my last thoughts are, in the end, uh, whatever business or consultant whoever you listen to because businesses have to listen to the people that know this um, technology. Ultimately, you and I both know you try to do what's best for the customer and not everyone in our field always does that. Sometimes they just try to do what's best for themselves to make money. And ultimately, I guess what I'm trying to say is that you have to look for that either from the consultant side or the business side. You have to say what's best for either what's best for this customer or what's best for my customer being the customer that's uh, having the service provided for them. Um, It's always a game that has to be weighed of the pros versus cons of what's best. Um, I would suggest just, you know, if you have some customer or some business out there, some IT professional or consultant, and you know, I'm not bad mouthing anyone, but saying, "Hey, we can provide all of this for you." It's the same as you know, an environment up there, Rusty, where they know nothing but Windows servers. They have three servers, and they have someone come in and say, "We can give you a Linux server," and all of a sudden they're being charged out of the nose for Linux administration and support. So that's that's my last words. Um, what's best for the customer? The other part of it is. You know, to touch on what you said is they think that a lot of people think that they can get rid of their departments and wish to a point is true. You know, it, it depends on the administrators. If you're going to have, if your cloud provider, whoever that is, is going to honestly 
have a have a network or or database or system admin that cuts corners and isn't worth half the money that they're being paid and all they do is add memory and reboot servers you know I'll, you know you know the experience from my last uh, agency I worked at you know <laughs> that's not going to work really for you in the long run you know part of it Rusty you were okay we were your cloud we ran PeopleSoft and your customers logged into PeopleSoft if you have those admins that are just going to cut corners and not do the work and not really do the root determination you're going to have headaches left and right and that that's that's not cloud based that's not hosting based that's just that's just how good your admins are so that's the that's that's my last words and that's going to be true from here until the end of time you build the starship enterprise and you cut corners on it it's going to fall apart at warp one but at least they can go underwater God, you had to say that. <laughs> it was a bad movie! <laughs> I'm just saying, if they can build a ship that's airtight to travel warp speed through space, I'm pretty sure it can go underwater. Why would you want to? <laughs> they obviously had know. a purpose for it. And I and actually know, because the gravitational forces between space and on, on a planet are completely different. <laughs> we're, we're not getting into this right now. <laughs> We'll save it for when you come back to visit in two weeks. Next week we are doing a podcast on why Star Trek Into Darkness was a bad movie! (laughs) Great entertainment value, folks. Don't listen to Klein. If you don't think about it. (laughs) Uh, With that, I think that wraps it up for us this week, everybody. Um, Make sure you check out the blog, thebitecast.wordpress.com. Uh, we'll have some more links. You can go back and listen to some of our past podcasts. If you're new to us and you want to play a little catch up, we're only four weeks into it. Um, Eric Mugas, I know you're listening out there. You be ready for your guest podcast. All you folks, uh, we've got a great programmer coming on the program here, hopefully this week or next. Uh, we're we're going to talk Java and uh, some projects that he's got going on in his life. So, uh, stay tuned for that. And with that, we thank you for listening and, uh, Check us out next week. Bye. (laughs) I like cheese. Star Trek was a good movie. You're wrong. (laughs) Like I said, it's a good movie if you don't think about it. I want to go there and sit and not have to think. They can't break the Prime Directive while they're breaking the Prime Directive, trying to save those people. Isn't that the premise of the entire show is all they do is break Prime Directive? How do you think so many people in red shirts died? (sighs) (laughs) No comment? I'm not arguing this. I I, I want to be able to sleep later. (laughs) I don't want to be in bed tossing and turning and thinking about how, thinking about this argument.